0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, go, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. What a bad prophet. Everyone knows when you're the prophet, you're not supposed to tell people to do what they want to do. You're supposed to exhort them to change, care for the poor, and honor God. Not go and just do whatever they want. Of course, Nathan learns this pretty quickly. The very next day, he's tasked with bringing news to David of a change of plans. Thus says the Lord, are you the one who's going to build me a house? Of course not. Here toward the beginning of 2 Samuel, we get an assertion of the divine freedom. God is setting rules and reminding David of the role he is to play as one who receives from God, not as one who gives. But God is also doing more here. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more and evildoers shall afflict them no more and I will give them rest from their enemies. The Lord declares that the Lord will make you a house, David. Not a house to live in, remember David already has that. David will be a house. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me and your throne shall be established forever. This is a crucial declaration on the part of the Lord. God is promising to change the fortunes of Israel, not just for the next administration, but forever, God and Israel together. That is the vision here. Though it is important to remember that when this was written, there was no king in Israel, no place for God's people, They were in exile, and it seemed that their enemies had triumphed over them. They were not in a position that obviously warranted hope. You might be thinking, so why would someone write this? Why include it in Scripture? Because despite their miserable condition, Israel still had cause for hope. In the proclamation of the Davidic throne, God, through the prophets, was saying, just wait, wait and see. See what I'm about to do here. Your trials now for as real and heavy as they are, as disappointing and crushing as they are, that's going to change. There is cause for hope. Look at what I'm about to do. There is cause for hope. That is God's message to David and to Israel, and the scriptural writers wanted everyone to know it. And then the angel departed from her. Paired with this reading is another text announcing God's inbreaking into the world. The annunciation of Mary to God, being born in the person of Jesus, was cause for her hope. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Mary was filled with hope. He has remembered his promise of mercy. Our God is a God who keeps his promises who breaks into the world, who comes to us and visits us as a mighty king and a humble child. In Mary's yes to God, she became a house of God, a holy temple bearing the Christ child for the world. And we're called to emulate her. The collect for the fourth Sunday of Advent, also my favorite in the prayer book, which we pray today asks God to purify our conscience by God's daily visitation, that God's Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, may find in us a mansion prepared for himself. Now, I have to admit that focusing on Mary in this way does not come without challenge for me. I grew up Baptist. And if you share that with me, then you know that Baptists really don't know what to do with Mary. She's just kind of there. But here I think there is something in the text. Mary receives much the same proclamation as from Gabriel that David did from Nathan. The message is, you will be made a house. And by extension, we are made a house when we're joined to Christ and one another in baptism and receive him in the Holy Eucharist. We are to be homes for Christ, a home prepared for Christ. This can be a particularly challenging message to hear, especially now. We were just getting back into the swing of things and, of course, looking forward to celebrating Christmas together. The pandemic has not been easy, to say the least. Isolation, feelings of loneliness, perhaps even feelings of exile, may be leaving many of us saying, with David, let's build a temple to worship in. I have a house and all I want to do is get out of it, which is so contrary to how we might feel under different, more normal circumstances. If you're anything like me, you love to entertain. And that's been a real challenge for me during the pandemic. I love to entertain. I love to cook for my friends, invite them over, talk, share stories, play games, and just have a good time. And again, if you're anything like me, you're somewhat of a perfectionist. I have to clean the house. And I mean clean, not just tidy up. We're gonna move furniture. I have to get things ready for everyone to come over all the way down to a tiny little cheese platter with salami and cream cheese and chives held together with a little toothpick. So much care is put into our holiday traditions. During this time, I ask that when you're missing the tradition, remember the care you put into preparing because that is our calling. Our calling today is to be prepared and to have hope to remember why we hope. And in remembering that care, perhaps recall our collect for today. Purify our conscience, almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your son Jesus Christ at his coming may find in us a mansion prepared for himself. When you're tired of your homes, be a house for Christ. When you're missing normal, focus on how much you care. And something I learned here at St. John's, remember just how deeply communal hope is. And we'll all get through this together. And so to God, our Father, whose great faithfulness remembers his promises of mercy, and to Christ, his Son, in whom is our everlasting hope, and the Holy Spirit dwelling among us, be praise and worship forever and forevermore. Amen.